all of the miracles and blessings that you bestow upon each one of us. Even through our trials and tribulations, through darkness and valleys, we see mountains of hope ahead of us, Lord. And we know that all we need to do is lean on you for that strength and that guiding light to bring us through those times of despair. Lord, we lift up those of our congregation who are suffering from chronic illness and chronic pain and think especially of those who are suffering from cancer. We think of Jen and we pray for her, Lord, and continue to lift her up for complete healing and remission. We pray for Heather and for Joe, for Peyton, for so many others on our prayer list, Lord Jesus. And we think of Andrea, who is uh, worshiping at home, and just lift her up for encouragement and strength, Lord, as she deals with her health conditions. And Lord, we also pray for Jeff and Beth as they prepare for a vacation that is long overdue, but also for a new chapter in their lives as they deliver Jay to college. And we just lift up Jay to you this morning, Lord, and just pray that uh, her new future will be bright and that every step of the way she will feel your presence in her life, Lord. We just thank you for all of our blessings. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. And again, uh, we do thank you for your continued giving through tithes and offerings. And it allowed us this past week to uh, invest in the life of uh, two families that are having their firstborn. And so uh, we were able to give gift cards. And I said, oh, I would buy you something, but I didn't, I wouldn't know which diaper to get or it, everybody's kind of particular. So here's a gift card from the church. And one person, they just said, well, that's from the church and not you. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of cheap. I don't know if I'd give you that much, but uh, it was it was just so encouraging that people would just, I don't know, be excited for the church that they might never walk through the doors of, but just to know that, man, you're more about giving than receiving, and uh, that's only possible as we give back to God what he gives us, so thank you so much for that. And if you're watching online, you can give online. Uh, you can also give in person here or mail checks to the chapel campus, as many people have done, and we're just so grateful to continue to uh, encourage people uh, with gifts. Uh, once more, the uh, in-person service will not be here the month of August. They redo the floors every August. We will return the first Sunday of September, but for August, we're going to meet in Waterbury Center. You can see the address behind me as I've shared it before. And now previously, uh, Jay gave me this idea, or maybe it was Beth, about like, you know when you watch a show, it says previously, the last episode, well, this is a quick uh, previously what we were talking about, and it's Dr. Luke writing to his friend Theo, and he started to tell them, tell him what Jesus began to do and teach, and the importance of learning from, walking with, and investing in. This is previously what we we're talking about, but it became discussed and was a uh, part of the conversation on Friday night, and it was so much fun to have a campfire where there wasn't deep conversations, but there was good conversations. And then we had two people share like what brought them to Living Hope Wesleyan Church and how God opened the doors. And that's a tremendous story that we want to share more stories in September. So if you're new here within the last 10 years, you can count on me kind of pointing a finger and asking you in September to share your story that as people come in, they know that uh, it's a church, but everybody here is not perfect. 
because they could look over and say, well, they look pretty well put together. I bet they follow Jesus their whole life. Or, well, they look extremely successful. I have nothing to relate to them, so I better put on my mask. I better put on a good show. I better perform so at least they accept me. Well, as we share our stories, we realize we're just beggars sharing bread with other beggars. And this is what draws people to Jesus is that he can save us. He can save them. Because Acts in our life is for the spread of the gospel, the unigalion, the good news. It's for that people might make that profession of faith and accept Jesus into their lives. It's not where we walk so uh, secretively or on eggshells that we don't call people to repentance because it's not us calling them. It's the Holy Spirit drawing them into that because he says you will, they will, we as a church will receive power to be his witnesses, to tell people about him everywhere. This is what we discussed previously, but it sets the foundation for today. It sets the foundation for the Christian life. As Dr. Luke was telling his friend about what Jesus began to do and teach, who have you told what Jesus began to do and teach you, what he's shown you, how he's helped you, how he's been with you, how you threw up your hands and you thought you were crying out in desperation, and then you found out you were actually worshiping with your hands up, acknowledging that you could not do it, that when you are weak, God makes you strong. Well, there's one way to do that in this scripture, in this text. And this is after Judas Iscariot. They tried to find someone to replace. So who did they choose? Who did they seek out? Who did they feel was valuable? Well, it was not who uh, they had two people. And you might say, well, I wasn't chosen. But no, you were. It wasn't just Matthias. It was Barsabbas, also known as Joseph, also known as uh, justice. They met together and were constantly united in prayer. What if, just maybe, I believe if we were united in prayer, specifically for this fall, for a children's ministry, for a live band and worship team, I think God would answer our request. God would unite us in prayer that we might glorify him, that we would have these things on our mind, not as far as production, not so we could feel like how church used to be, but so that we could worship because we were united in prayer. Let's unite in prayer that God might grant us his presence, knowing that he uses music and music communicates extremely well to a lot of people and children. If we don't have children, then what good is church? Children is church. We are the church and let us be in prayer for these things because God says that you are adopted, you are chosen, you are wanted. I uh, was speaking with a college buddy of mine and he said, Jeff, I'm done with church. I'm so tired of trying to do everything right to please God. It's too difficult and life just happens. Like I'm going through some stuff and it didn't matter if I obeyed God back then or if I didn't, I don't think it would make any difference. And so we talked about when we think God is judging us by our performance, we're missing out on how God loves us. He's not judging us on our performance. He just loves us and says that no matter what you go through, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are chosen. You are wanted. You are desired. And it is people's, our decision if we're going to respond in obedience to him. We remember David, who was the youngest of eight boys, and even his dad didn't think he was one there was a contender to become the next king, but Samuel was told this by the Lord. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. This is Eliab, the old, oldest brother. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge outward appearance, 
but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Those that Jesus came to seek and save, we might say, oh, that person has the gift, and that person has the look, that person has the influence. They need to become a Christian when Jesus is saying, yes, but they all do. It's not just who we pick out and say, what a marvelous force there'd be for the gospel. It's everybody that we encounter, that, that we see that God knows their heart. So Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So they were all together. Uh, maybe you saw it on social media. I asked a question. Hopefully it wasn't pointed. I was just trying to get some feedback. And I said, uh, how many of you do not attend a regular uh, regularly attend a local church, or why don't you? And uh, I had different answers online, but also like in private message, and it was kind of interesting to hear. But perhaps you've seen that meme of the herd of gazelles. I was going to act out what a gazelle like does in a herd. I thought it'd be funny, but I thought, no, I better not act like a gazelle. But you can see like the herd of gazelles. Maybe you've seen this meme. The herd of gazelles is all together. The herd of gazelles is security and numbers and just all together. Then you see that one gazelle running for its life, being chased by a lion. So I think that's kind of like church. Like you don't have to go to church, but sometimes it's easier, better. There's more encouragement. There's more security in going to church. So they were all meeting together. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Remember, this passage is not talking about the spiritual gift. Of speaking in tongues this is talking about the holy spirit opening their mouths so they could communicate to their culture to those in that place in a way that they understood the good news of jesus it's like beating a dead horse but i feel like i have to go back to it because i'm sharing previously what we talked about but it is previously we were sharing how the good news is for everyone we need to learn how to speak to culture and society in 2022 just as moses did in his day just as billy graham did at the heat of those revivals just as we think those great spiritual leaders they should be today god is saying no i chose you for this day to be my mouthpiece and speak to this culture you might not use the same words or the same method but you still have my holy spirit drawing people so perhaps it's a different conversation with the same message. Perhaps we're talking about abortion and abuse and addiction. We're talking about homosexuality. We're talking about these deep issues of identity. And it all goes back to Jesus can give you complete healing. Jesus understands what you're going through. A good friend of mine, I've known him since seventh grade, sixth grade. I was his youth pastor. And I was golfing with him. And he's like, I have to go into the woods. I'm like, Dude, there's a portalette right there. We're making the turn in the bathroom. He's like, no, I, I just want to smoke a little, and I didn't want to do it in front of you. And so I was like, okay, let's just talk. And as we we're talking and discussing, it's like, why do you smoke? He's like, Jeff, I know what you're going to say. He's like, I do it because it brings me up to happy. So like, okay. He's like, I know what you're going to say. I know that if there's a change in my life, I know you're going to say, God, if there's a change in my life, I wouldn't have to use this substance to bring me up to happy, but I just do. So then we're golfing a little bit more, and so I hit bad shots on purpose, so I had more time to talk with him. So that's, we were talking a lot. But, and so as we got going, he's like, are you addicted to this substance? He's like, I probably am. 
but I just feel like I need it because it brings me up to happy. And so we had a good discussion and he went on to say, I wish I could believe that there was a God that could take care of this, but I've seen too much stuff in my life that I'm just going to settle for the substance right now. Settle. His words, not settle. I call him by name. It's like, you know, I love you and I'm praying for you. Just, you don't need a substance to bring you up. You can have salvation. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's speaking in today's culture. Instead of saying, don't do that by me. Don't. I think there's appropriateness. You have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to, but I think God wants us to be able to speak into this culture that is so broken and seeking for true identity and understanding what God is about. That we say, hey, I'll golf with you. And I believe the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. So if somehow my life can connect the dots of what God's speaking to your soul, then let's be used of God that he will bring that conviction because his Holy Spirit gave them this ability. They go on to say, how can this be? Then they say, what can this mean? I don't know if you've ever had something told to you and you got so excited, but it was too good to be true. And then there's naysayers. Oh, they're just drunk. Like it could never happen. If they say, if you try out, if you work hard, if you uh, do your job, then this promotion is here. And it's not, not a carrot in front of the horse. It's just, it's a reality. If you put in the effort, put in the work, if you just submit to God, surrender to him, then this will happen. But then there's those that know it, it's not going to happen. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, shouted to the crowd, listen Carefully, intently, precisely, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. This is a good news. They aren't drunk. This isn't just some excuse to say you don't have to follow or God's not saying it's available, that you can't overcome, that you can't know salvation, that you can't have a deep hope, that you don't have to take a substance so you settle for happiness, but you have a deep joy inside of you residing, presenting itself in you, that you just know no matter what, there is a hope of Jesus as my friend Greg Boyce shared on his Facebook page that I'm dying, I'm going into hospitals, hospice. Pray for my wife and my girls. I know where I'm going, and at times I get scared, but I have this hope of salvation in heaven. And there's a deep understanding, experiential understanding of the truth of Jesus that sometimes we just say but this is something my friend is experiencing something that Jesus is saying is available to us he quotes from Psalm that he says but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved this is the message of the gospel everyone who calls on the name will be saved God publicly endorsed Jesus by doing powerful miracles wonders and signs through him as you well know if you look back, if you wrote down, God's been present in your life. God has shown up many, many times, but sometimes we forget to remember or we say it was chance. It was coincidence. It just happened. That's how life is. But we need to acknowledge that God was with us the entire time. God released Jesus from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death did not keep him in its grip. That song, Living Hope, could not keep him in its grip. So verse 25, as we move on from previously to today, Acts 2, 25, David, King David said this about him. 
King David, the one that we talked about a few weeks ago, King David who chose Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, his best friend, but of the family that was against him, that was his enemy. King David chose Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, to sit at the king's table, to be acknowledged as the king's son, even though he did not look like the king's son, even though he was not by lineage the king's son, he was still chosen. We are still chosen to be the king's son. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Taken from Psalm 16. You have shown me the way of life. You will fill me with the joy of your presence. This is David writing, Peter replying to those saying, you have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. This is David, the one who was chosen, the one who killed Goliath, the one who was named king, the one who fell, the one who repented, the one who was restored. I don't know if you've heard this. This might not be new to you. It was kind of... more than surprising to me there are those within the christian academic world that want to take david out of the bible they want to take david out of their teaching because david had an affair and he murdered uriah if that's what david did which it is what david did and that was the end of the story perhaps but the fact that the story of david is in the Bible so we can understand God's forgiveness. We can know that God is for us. So whether it was an affair, whether it was an abortion, whether it was abuse, whether it was addiction, whatever the case might be, we are not canceled. You can't be canceled. We are forgiven. And we can say we take great joy in the fact that God's covered our sin and hopefully he doesn't expose it. God does not expose our sin. But as people look at us, as people know our history, they look and instead of seeing us in our sin, they see us hidden with Christ in God. They see Jesus as God looks at us, as Stephen Manley, an evangelist, used to share, that when God looks at you, he does not see you that follow Jesus. He sees the cross where his son paid the sacrifice for your sin. When we look at people that have sinned, that have messed up, that are tempted, and we so want to judge them, we want to shake our fist and get so upset. If they truly follow Jesus, let us forgive and see them through the cross that has given us the same forgiveness that we do not want exposed, but we just want to be seen as a child of God invited to the table. This is David who's saying these words repeated by Peter to give encouragement to those that were lost. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. His tomb is a place where people would visit. They would say, this is where the great King David is buried. They would either put flowers or memorial. They would just go. It was like, crudely put, it was a tourist attraction where they could just go and look and just be so encouraged. This is where our king, the Old Testament King David, this is where he's buried. But it was not just so you could go to a tomb that was filled with bones, but we have Jesus, an empty tomb that we celebrate. But he was a prophet. And he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. That expression, they made their bed, now they can lie in it. Maybe as a parent you can say that if you want a kid to make their bed, but 
Jesus is saying, you made your bed, you don't have to lie in it. You can accept and choose my forgiveness. You can know that there is a way out. You can know that you are not just going to be known for your sin or that lowest point in your life, but you can be known as one that chose salvation through me. God's raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. So we have a responsibility, Christian, follower of Jesus, one where we walk in step with Christ, the responsibility is we need to live Jesus and share Jesus. And it's a hard balance, and it takes an entire seminar or conference to figure out how to share your faith. By first, know that you're saved and be a nice person, be a good person. That's a great start. But I do feel as though God is opening doors for us to share what you're trying to bring you up to happy. What you're settling for, that's not the answer. And the definition of insanity, maybe you've heard it before, it goes something like this, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over. I could do it on my own. I don't need God. I could do it on my own. I don't need God. I can fill my life with money, but I don't need God. I can fill my life with degrees, but I don't need God. I can fill my life with relationships, but I don't need God. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results is insanity in this world that we live in seems to be insane. It seems to be seeking for answers just by doing the same things repackaged over and over and over and over instead of saying, I submit, I surrender to Jesus. What does that mean? Does that mean I tithe? Does that mean I show up for church? Does that mean I get involved by praying for others? Does that mean that I reach out to the lost? Does that mean I sacrifice for the sake that someone might know Jesus? Based on scripture, I would say yes, because he is. The answer what can this mean it can mean forgiveness and salvation it can mean freedom and healing and joy and peace and hope and not just hope of maybe what if but the hope of assurance assurance i know not that we bet as wesleyan but i bet my life this is the truth i know without a fat without any doubt that this is the truth and as we conclude this section just want to read these scriptures. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. At God's right hand is Jesus and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is what some call your conscience. It's that still voice that convicts you. And it draws that temptation and that sin trying to draw out of you that we might have healing. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks into your life that resonates with the truth of Scripture that says that there is a power in knowing who truth is, the way, the life, Jesus. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. This is from Psalm 110 that Peter quotes. Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. I like footstools. My dad, for some reason, he doesn't like to sit with his feet up, or at least he didn't used to, but I do. And 
footstools. Who likes to use a footstool, an ottoman? You get your lazy boy or your comfy chair, you're on the couch. And are you stressed out when you are with your feet up? Are you nervous typically or anxious or worried when you can just take a deep breath, exhale, and put your feet up? Are you filled with like just concern about, oh, I just can't do it. I don't, I'm going to put my feet up when I feel so anxious because, oh, I just feel, or do you just, I can relax. I can let my hair down. This is what God is saying is available to us, all the anxiety, all the nervousness, all that worry. We can put our feet up because Jesus has victory over our enemies. And you might say, well, aren't we supposed to love our enemies? Who are our enemies? This is from Matthew 44. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Your enemies are not those that you know by name. They are not those that you can physically see. We have to be careful when we say, that, that's my enemy. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. People are people. People are in need of a savior. People are in need of discipling and growing in their faith. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against them, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. There is the reality of spiritual warfare. There are demons and angels. There is a true, literal Jesus in a true literal Satan, but instead of being in fear, instead of being all concerned or what if and just worried, our Savior has defeated sin and death, and our Savior is by his daddy at his right hand with his feet up, not concerned because he knows the victory's already won. He knows that everything's been taken care of. He knows that he can find rest because his dad is in control and we can know that our Heavenly Father is for us and has the enemies underneath his feet. Hallelujah. Underneath his feet. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to shake. We don't have to compare. We can say, Jesus, let me be confident. Let me be secure enough to find my identity hidden with you. Hidden with you. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. These are two titles. Lord is like ruler, and Christ means the Messiah. God has made him both ruler and the Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Diaprio is the uh, Greek word. Again, Greek. Are you guys impressed? I, no. Okay, diaprio, it means cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart, and they said to the said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Brothers, what shall we do?" What did they first say? Early in the chapter, they said, "How can this be? What does this mean?" And then they had the naysayers say, "Hey, stop! It doesn't mean anything. They're just drunk. Don't question how you can change your life. Don't ask, is there really a savior that can come to you? Don't acknowledge that there's a different path." But then, because of God's faithfulness, he presents the question over and over and over and over and over and over and over to all of us that he is a Savior. Do you want to become one of his? And 
they say, what shall we do? They asked once more, what shall we do? So Peter said, repent and be baptized. So a quick aside, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, believer's baptism, and you would like to, let's have a conversation. It'd be wonderful to have another and several other baptisms. I remember a few years ago, it was four or five months, that every single month we had somebody baptized in Crossett Brook at Crossett Brook Middle School. And it was such an encouragement to see. It was one uh, person said it was the first time they ever saw a full immersion take place, baptism. And it's just so encouraging, but not just for us, but to hear that I am following Jesus and I want everybody to know that you can hold me accountable to following Jesus. Repent, be baptized, and maybe there are some that have not repented that are still in sin, and you still are testing it out and still wondering, and you can repent and confess your sin and turn and say, Jesus, I desire you, and be baptized, and know that in the name of Jesus, there is the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is what God is telling us, for the promise is for you. And for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And he's calling everyone because his will is that none should perish. So this is for me, it's for Beth, it's for Michael, our son, for Jay, our daughter, for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren. It's not just for us to live a good life, but it's for us to invest in others. And just think, just picture, like what if our family heritage was from one generation to another generation to another generation, is that we chose to surrender to Jesus. We chose to make him Lord of our life, but not just so that we could die and go to heaven, but that we could sacrifice what we desired because God might just use that open door to reach someone else to know him. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That might mean your spouse who's not a Christian. That might mean your child who's not a Christian. That might mean those that are far off. God's promise is for them that we could receive his power and be his witness. That we are scared off maybe startled when they share something with us but we aren't scared off when somebody exposes their sin to us then we can meet that with the truth of jesus that covers their sin that they are known as the failure that they are known as bathsheba and uriah but they're known as a man after god's own heart king david won't you stand as we just close in prayer Jesus, we do thank you for your grace. We thank you for your salvation and your forgiveness. And Father, we do thank you for such a time as this. As we don't understand culture or society, and sometimes we don't know how to speak words of life into them, but you do when you're at work. So may our lives reflect your goodness and your love, your grace and your truth, your justice and your peace. And Father, for those that seem so far from you, may we remember your promise that you are calling all to yourself. So as you choose, may we be obedient to share your truth with them. We love you, Father. And we thank you again for this time together. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
and you are dismissed. Hi. Good to see you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah.